The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. It is often said that living on the East Coast puts runners at a disadvantage out West. It's said we can't handle the big mountains and the high altitude. It's a ridiculous argument. And the final nail in that ridiculous argument's coffin was placed on July 8th, when Beast Coaster Sarah Hansel set a new FKT on Nolan's 14, a brutal course in Colorado that is 100 miles with over 45,000 feet of gain, traversing 14 peaks over 14,000 feet. The current FKT was held by Megan Hicks. That was 59 hours and 36 minutes. The new FKT is 57 hours and 43 minutes set by the Beast Coaster I just mentioned and the guest on this episode of The Adventure Jogger, Sarah Hansel. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much. Did you know that there was so much riding on your on your Nolan's 14 that the entire spirit of the Beast Coast was with you? Um, I don't know, a little bit. I was kind of, it felt good to come from the East Coast and actually be able to finish it. Like it, it was kind of cool to go out there and come compete with all these Colorado girls on their own mountains and be the one girl that actually got it done. (laughs) That's pretty, uh, there is, there's a little pride there. (laughs) That's that's very good. And you should be proud because we're all very proud of you. And we all now, all of us Beast Coasters are now going to use you as an example. Like, well, obviously it wasn't a problem for Sarah Hansel. So I don't know what you guys (laughs) are talking about. Before we get into your epic day, let's get to know a little bit about you, uh, Sarah Hansel, the runner. How did you get into uh, running and how did you transition that regular folk running into the bizarre world of ultra running? Um, so I didn't grow up running. Um, I grew up with horses and I rode nonstop. Um, I played a little bit of soccer, sort of like in middle school, but nothing serious. Um, but never did track or cross country or any of that. Um, and then when I was, I don't know, probably in 2000, uh, no, 2010, mm-hmm. I, um, no, maybe it was 2011. I went to Australia um, for six months and I did a bunch of hiking and exploring in the parks and stuff. Um, and I did this one run that was, it was like 11 miles and we ran along the great ocean road, mm-hmm. sort of South of Melbourne. And I remember running out and you could look back along the cliffs and I could see where I started. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world that you could travel so far just under your own power. Um, so that kind of inspired me. And I, when I got back to the U S I was like, well, I ran 11 miles, like I can do a half marathon. (laughs) And so I entered, I think the North face, uh, whatever the one was at Pine mountain. Yeah. Um, I did the half marathon there and I had no intention of ever going farther than that. And I got there and there was a marathon and a 50 K and a 50 miler. And I sort of got dragged into it that way (laughs) Um, you got you got in with some friends that were a bad influence like so many of us yeah yeah i had one of my really good friends melissa um 
so the next year I was like, oh, well, I ran the half marathon. Like maybe I can do the marathon next year. And I went to sign up for it. And she's like, well, you know, the 50K is only like five more miles. And so she, she pulled me over to the dark side with that. <laughs> the gateway drug. 50K is the gateway drug. That's, yeah, you know, sure. it's like when our teachers in school tried to tell us that marijuana was the gateway drug, wrong. 50Ks are the, are the gateway <laughs> drug. That's what gets you into this, into this crazy world. So you sign up. Instead of doing that marathon, you're like, ah, what's five more miles, right? Yeah, for sure. And it hurt. I think I ended up hobbling across the finish line, but it was, I don't know, a good experience. And it definitely, I guess the farther you go, the more you realize that you can go even farther. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sort of hard not to try. So you are a horse trainer by trade, aren't you, Sarah? I am. Yep. I'm in Aiken, South Carolina, um, and I've got a small farm, and then I travel around to a lot of different farms in the area and ride for them. Oh, so you actually, you train them and you ride them? Yeah. So I do a lot of young horses that have never been ridden before. Um, So I'm kind of like the kindergarten, first grade teacher for them. You're the Um, horse whisperer, Sarah? Basically, um, (laughs) I try to be. Uh, but yeah, so I'll be the first one to like put the saddle and bridle on and to get on them and teach them how to steer and just the basics. Um, and then I exercise a lot of horses for just people around town that don't have time to do them every day. Sarah, they make movies about people like you. I don't know if you're aware of this. Usually it's a man playing. It's Robert Redford playing the Sarah Hansel role, <laughs> but, they, but they make movies out of people like you. I don't know if you're aware of that. Well, I will... Definitely. If I get confused for Robert Redford, I won't complain. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> so how many years ago was that first 50K, Sarah? I think it was 2012. Okay, I so eight years. You've had eight years in this ultramarathoning world, and you've excelled rather quickly through this through this uh, ultramarathoning world. What are some of the highlights if you had a resume, what would some of those highlights be for your running resume? Um, mostly, honestly, stuff I've done in Europe. Um, I'm sort of, I'm not that fast a runner, but I've mm. sort of found my little niche in the bigger mountain stuff. Um, so I did UTMB, I think I was 25th, um, which is like, okay, but it's, Good for South Carolina. <laughs> Sarah, that's not too shabby. Please, please don't apologize for finishing 25th at UTMB. No one right now, I'm promising you, Sarah, no one's going like, well, she only finished 25th at UTMB. I'm not going to finish this episode. This is not worth my time. <laughs> she only finished 25th. That's impressive. What else? Um, and then I went back the next year and I did Tour de Gion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was eighth, which again was like, not quite on the podium, so nobody really noticed, but it was, I was still pretty happy with it. And then I went back the next two years, and I did uh, Ultra Tour Monte Rosa and was third both times. Um, but then, I mean, if you take me and put me in a road race or something, I'm useless. Like, I, it's definitely, I've definitely found my niche with the, the bigger mountains and the steeper stuff. Sarah, come on. If so many times we've seen people and everybody listening has seen someone at a trail race that, you know, is a tough mountain trail race 
that thought, how hard can this be? And so they're a road runner or they're an Ironman triathlete. You know this because you see the tattoo on their leg <laughs> and, and they're obliterated 20, 20 miles in, completely underestimating the race that they signed up for. You've seen that. I don't know. I figured out if I do the mountains, it means I get to walk half of it. (laughs) (laughs) You get to hike uphill. That's my secret. Hang on, Sarah. (laughs) We don't want that secret getting out. If the secret gets out that you could eat just uh, mountains of junk food and do a lot of walking, more people might come to the already crowded sport, meaning there'll be less slots at races when races finally happen again. So we may just want to keep that to ourselves, Sarah. All right, right, we won't tell anyone else. (laughs) So so did you have big plans for 2020? Um, Honestly, Nolan's was number one on my list. I've I've tried to do it. This is my fourth attempt. Um, So I... It was kind of hanging over my head and it's been eating at me for a couple of years. Um, so that was my number one thing. And then I, I entered Monta Rosa again because mm-hmm. I really, I've never gone into a big race and like with the intention of winning, like I always kind of go and I start in the back and I see how I feel. And I, I've been third twice there and I was like, man, I wonder what would happen if I just like went for it. So I was kind of excited to go back and like really give that a go. Um, but it obviously got canceled with the virus. You know, so. it's so interesting, Sarah, that you say Nolan's was your number one goal for for 2020, because I've talked to a whole lot of runners who have set FKTs this year, because I mean, FKTs are just falling left and right. And most of those runners, this was a backup plan. They had all these other races that they wanted to do all year. And then when they all got canceled, they were sitting around going like, I've got all this fitness and what can I do with it? And so then they looked at FKTs, but this is something that this was goal one. This was not a, a, uh, a, a, a consolation prize that you got no. for, for not being able to race. This was the goal. I honestly like the virus didn't change any of my race plans except for Monta Rosa. Like I did cold mountain in the spring, um, a 50 K that mm-hmm. was really nice. And then Monta Rosa was the only other race I had entered and everything else I was going to do was FKTs. So I kind of was like, okay, I'll just follow my plan. So you, you, were, um, you were doing FKTs before they were cool, is what you were doing. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Everyone else is like, oh man, these FKTs, I'm going to go ahead and try one of these. Like, I've been trying these for years. This has been my goal since day one. I did want to ask you, because you're talking about going back to Mount Rosa and, and you know, you've done really well there. And I love how you're like, well, I started in back and i see how I felt and you know finish third place starting in the back and kind of seeing how you felt did you how did you mentally prepare yourself to change your mindset from I'm going to start in the back to see how and see how I feel to I'm going to go ahead and gun and and go for the the W on this I'm gonna I'm gonna go from the gun was there a a process to changing your mentality towards that race Um, I mean, I feel like I'm always like pretty good and I, I'm obviously not a professional and I work a full-time job and I sort of, I put in what I can into it, but Mm -hmm. I'm not, not putting in what the professionals are, but I, I feel like I must have some talent. Like if I can keep up with them as well as I do with as little as I do. Um, so I just, I don't know. I think something just clicked last year. Like I was actually in second place, um, 
they stopped the race early because there was a snowstorm. Yeah. Um, and I was in second place and like literally less than a mile from where the new finish was. And I had a really bad fall and like, I mean, like scraped up everything on me. I was covered with blood and the girl behind me passed me like less than a mile from the end. Oh. Um, but so I was like, and I was just getting started. Like I get stronger the farther I go. And I just, I don't know. I feel like I always have more in me to give and I just need to make the decision to actually go for it. You and know, just a, Sarah, listening to you talk, I don't know if you remember, this was a Saturday night live skit that was popular in the mid nineties. It was uh, it was not a, a U.S. senator at that time, but Al Franken did this character called Stuart Smalley, and he would do this thing called the Daily Affirmation, where he would have people come on, and he would have them look into a mirror, and his big catch line was, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. And I think that's, <laughs> Sarah, we kind of need to have a, a, a Daily Affirmation with you right now, and just you know, look in that mirror and go... I'm Sarah Hansel. I've done pretty well at UTMB. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good in the mountains. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do need that. Right? Like, like, you just look at me and go, hi, Sarah. Just, you, is there a mirror in your car? There, there's a, the rear view mirror. <laughs> okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this right now. This is the only podcast that has ever included a daily affirmation. Are you, are you, you guys got, I'm not a professional at this, but you just have to repeat after me, okay? And look in the mirror. Uh, are I'm you going to say whatever you say. Okay, are you looking I'm in the mirror? <laughs> you looking in the mirror right now? I, I'm looking right at myself, right in the eyes. All right, here we go. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. You did pretty darn well at Nolan's 14. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> you did pretty darn well at Nolan's 14. You seem to have a real skill for running in the mountains. You seem to have a real skill for running in the mountains. Because considering that you like to start in the back and take it easy, but you finish so far up, that's pretty impressive. That's a lot of words. <laughs> you might have to repeat that one. <laughs> we'll just say this. We'll go, Sarah. Sarah. I think it's time to start trying to win these things. I think it's time to start trying to win these things. Because I'm good enough. Because I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough. I'm strong enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. Gosh darn it, people like me. There we go. We've just created <laughs> I, the new beast of the East, Sarah you, Hansel. You just created a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I think my head just grew three sizes. <laughs> I'd like to pause the adventure jogger for a second and apologize to every woman now that runs against Sarah Hansel. You are going to get your ass kicked. I'm sorry. <laughs> so now that we've gotten that out of the way, um, let's talk about Nolan's 14. You've tried it other times before. What was it about this course that kind of grabbed your attention? Um, so I learned about it when I was running Leadville. Mm -hmm. um, I want to say 2015 maybe. All right. Uh, it was the year that Anna Frost ran it um, and Missy. Mm -hmm. 
and I was running Leadville and I honestly, I only made it to mile 25. I sprained my ankle. Um, and I was having trouble with the altitude and, but the beginning of the route, like you're on the roads and on the power lines and like, you're, I mean, you're still at 10,000 feet, but you're pretty low and you're looking up at these huge mountains and they're gorgeous. And I was in this really bad mood and I'm like, God, why are we down here running on these roads? Like there are these amazing mountains up there. Like, why are we not up there in the mountains? And I was getting really frustrated. Um, And Anna was out there tagging all the summits, like as we were running. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And I was like, well, that's what I want to be doing. Like, I don't want to be down here looking at the mountains. I want to be up there, like actually in them doing stuff and doing all this crazy things that she's doing. Um, and so I sort of, that sort of started the thought in the back of my head to sort of figure out what it was that she was doing. I didn't really even know when I'd never, I'd honestly never even been up a 14 or at that point. Um, wow. but it sort of, I put a little bug in my brain to just figure out what other things I could do that were like that. Um, so I don't know, it kind of went from there and I, started exploring i climbed most of the 14ers just on trail Mm -hmm. at first and then i came back the next year and sort of started putting some of the off-trail stuff together and just playing around with it sort of slowly though i mean i i dipped my toe in the water and (laughs) sort of tested it out slowly as (laughs) as i got comfortable with stuff did did you trip and fall at leadville because you were too busy looking up at the mountains and not looking down at the trail in front of you Probably. It was going around Turquoise Lake. I like caught a rock and twisted my ankle and then limped for 10 miles and finally gave up. You were daydreaming. You were like, man, it'd be sure nice to be up there. I don't know why the hell we're down here when all all the fun is to be had up there. So you tried it a couple of times before, Sarah. What, What went wrong during those previous tries that made you go like, okay, this ain't happening? Um, so the first time I did it was two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had an awesome crew with me. Um, and I, it was the middle of July and they get a lot of storms in July. Um, so the weather was a little questionable and I was going to do a, I think I started at 1am because the fourth mountain Princeton is just this huge mountain and you're up on this exposed ridge for like, I don't know, probably three hours yeah. and there's no, there's no way off it. So if a storm rolls in, like you're just screwed. Um, so I was really worried about Princeton. So I started at one in the morning so that I could get that done early in the day. Um, so I was in this panic about the fact that I'd have to stay up for two nights. So I took <laughs> a bunch of Z-Quil um, to make me sleep all day so that I could wake up in the middle of the night and start. And so I wake up at, <laughs> I wake up at midnight and I look at my phone and they're calling for storms the next day. And I'm like, Oh, like I can't go. I'm gonna have to delay a day. So I cancel it. I delayed a day and I took more z so that I'd sleep that whole next day. And then I get up at midnight to start. And I just, I like couldn't wake up. I was just a zombie all day and not moving very quickly. Um, and I made it over Princeton fine. And then I go to start up Yale, which was the fifth mountain. Mm-hmm. And I get up above treeline and I'm like, just dizzy and like not into it. Um, I got a little nauseous and I was with uh, my friend TJ at the time. And I'm like, I got to stop. Like, this is terrible. So we turned around 
and we go back down to tree line and I was like, I can't even walk back to the car. Like we just need to lay down here. It was probably nine o'clock at night. Yeah. So we curl up on the side of the mountain. It's freezing cold. There's like 40 mile an hour winds. We had a little emergency blanket that we like both <laughs> squeezed under and we go to sleep. <laughs> and I slept there all night, like woke up at like, I don't know, seven in the morning. Like the sun was up. I woke up, felt great. Like I'd had a, I mean, I'd been passed out for like 10 hours. Felt great. And I'm like, okay, we can go back down to the car now. Like, I think I feel all right. And he just turns to me. He's like, you're joking, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, let's go back to the car. He's like, we just slept on the side of a mountain. Like, we're not going back to the car. You're going to keep going. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And, but then I was like, you know what? I just came from South Carolina and like, I made this public because you have to post it. I'm yeah. like, I can't be the beast coaster that quits after four mountains. Like, that's just humiliating. Right. I was like, you're right. We got to keep going. So I felt great. And I had my, my timer was still on. So you have 60 hours to finish. Yeah. Um, so I just went until I timed out and I got, I think, 11 peaks, um, including my 10 hours of laying on the ground. Um, so I did great the second day, um, but I just ran out of time. Can we just stop for a moment and appreciate the fact that Sarah went on a two-day sleeping pill bender, got up... <laughs> And then bagged five mountains, still still uh, dealing with the effects of two days worth of sleeping pills. It and takes a you know takes a seven hour nap on the side of the trail, and then finishes how many other peaks before she finally times out. That that's incredible. We all thought Lance Armstrong did some incredible things on drugs. <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> there, I'm not sure the drugs helped me too much. <laughs> so that one, you learned like, okay, I am not taking sleeping pills before I try uh, Nolan's 14. Actually, I took some this time, but like I took a quarter dose and only once. <laughs> Because it is hard, like when you're nervous before a run, it is hard to get a decent night's sleep. And when you got to stay up for two nights, like you have to sleep the night before. That is true. But I wonder if the Colorado State flower would have less effect. I have not than- tried that. I have not tried that. I. It might, it might be a good solution. I know people that do that. You aren't tempted <laughs> to go to the local shop, like the joint shop, which everyone walks into thinking it's a... It's a chiropractor's office, but no, it's an actual place <laughs> with a bunch of dubes in it. You weren't tempted to go in and grab some some dubes or some some gummies when you're in Colorado. I've never done it, and I I didn't know how it would affect me. Like I'm not opposed to it. I just didn't know. Yeah, I mean, right. You don't want to try something like that the night before a big run because you know all of a sudden you you smoke a J and then you end up being a roadie for Post Malone and have no idea how you got there. <laughs> you know, it's like next thing you know you're setting up sound equipment at a Post Malone concert. And you have absolutely no idea how you got there. So that was probably smart, Sarah, that you didn't uh, take part in the Colorado State Flower and you and you tried the pills. It, it sounded like early on um, that there were more gals attempting the Nolan's 14 FKT the same time you were. Is that correct? There's a ton of people doing it this year. Um, I mean, there's probably been, I haven't been keeping specific track, but I would guess there's been almost 20 attempts already. Really? And not, I mean, guys and girls, but like a fair number of girls. Yeah. 
Um, and there's some strong, I know there's some very, very strong women that haven't done it yet, but that are prepping. So there's, there's a very good chance I'll lose the record in a week or two. Can you imagine, can you imagine being Megan Hicks and like, like you have all these women going for your record and like every weekend you're like, Oh, is it still there? Oh, it's still there. Is it like, that's gotta be a lot of pressure. Like going like the worst thing about the Rona is poor Megan Hicks probably hasn't slept well in a couple of weeks as everybody's gunning for a record. Oh, she honestly has been amazing. She put together a group on Facebook of, for all the women that are doing it and like has been so supportive. Um, she took me out on two hikes and like showed me some different routes and ways to be faster. And like, I mean, she's been amazing. I can't speak more highly of her. That is awesome because I, I do not have an FKT in anything. I think even the routes that someone set up in Strava in my neighborhood, I, I don't have the <laughs> FKT for those either. But if I had the FKT for the Nolans uh, 14 and somebody was like, Hey, I'm going to give it a shot. I, I'd take you on a run and I'd try to like wreck you. I'd be like, let's, oh, let's no. <laughs> like to- no, she didn't do that. She was, I mean, like super helpful. Gave me a bunch of tips and it's been <laughs> just incredibly encouraging. I'm not going to lie though. Like I went on Strava and I, every time I did a route that I liked when I was scouting, yeah, I hit. I, oh, but I made my my final run is public because I messed up so many parts of it. I'm like, if somebody takes this, take it at your own risk. Like it, was, <laughs> it is what it is. You're gonna regret some of those lines I took. All right, let's talk about it. First of all, Nolan's 14. It's it, it's there's a lot of off trail stuff in there because you have to link up these peaks and so there are trails but there's there's spots where you can vary like your route wasn't exactly the same as megan's correct um she actually never posted her route that i could find um but no it wasn't i know we did a a bunch of different things she went up the east ridge of yale and i went up through the gulch and like yeah, there are a bunch of different things. Okay, so but but you, basically, you're 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 getting over forty five thousand feet of vertical gain. It's over a hundred miles, but you've got to string some of that together yourself, and it leaves options for, you know, you pick this side to go up or or whatever. So that's important to know. How did it go this time around? Give us a blow by blow of your FKT. Um, so I started at Blank's Cabin at 6 a.m. Um, and I did that because if you do the 60 hours, that would put me at 6 p.m. on the last day. And mm-hmm. I figured that was the best use of daylight. Um, so I was trying to just, I can obviously run faster when there's sun. Yeah. As opposed to dark. So I just tried <laughs> to maximize that. Um, so the first two peaks are Shivano and Tab, and they're pretty close to each other. And you start going up a trail. Um, and then I cut off. So I started right behind this other guy that was just running up the trail. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea who he was, but he started maybe two minutes ahead of me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to catch him. <laughs> and so I started chasing him and he got really concerned that I was behind him. And he like kept looking back and looking at his watch and looking back and looking at his watch and like seemed really stressed about it. And I thought that was hilarious. So I'm chasing him up the mountain. And then there's, I actually went off trail and went up to a saddle and straight to the peak. And he did this big loop. It like does this huge switch backlit. I yeah. thought it was 
this extra mileage and I didn't want to do it on the trail. And he still beat me to the top. So I'm kind of like, man, maybe I should have stayed on the trail. <laughs> maybe that was faster. But, and then I, so then I beat him to the next mountain. There's like a little, a little dip and you go up to tab mm-hmm. and he was going to that too. And I was a little faster there. Um, and then I think he turned around there. He didn't keep going. I was wondering if he was. You wrecked him. Doing. Sarah, he was so oh. nervous. <laughs> Did- I don't know. He he actually stopped and talked to me and was like, oh, man, you were cruising. And I was like, yep, try to catch you. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't want to admit that I was like using him as a, as a rabbit. <laughs> That's when you're like, no, it's just my slow pace. I, I don't yeah, right? I, I was, you know. <laughs> Didn't want to be rude, so I kind of ran behind you at my slow pace. Didn't want to throw you off your route. So he quits after two. You got to keep going. Two down, 12 to go. Yep. So then from tab, um, you drop off trail, and you go down this really steep, loose thing. Um, It's just like loose rocks and dirt and Mm -hmm. stuff. Down the side of the mountain, down to Browns Creek. And then you, I got across the creek without getting wet, which was good. Cause I only had one pair of shoes and socks. Um, so, and then you go up a road and sort of like cut off the road and up through a gully towards Antero. Um, and that's the one mountain that you can drive almost to the top. Like there's a bunch of four wheelers and four by fours and trucks and stuff up there. Um, so you kind of hike up like this loose dirt crappy yeah. road, the very top, which that's probably my least favorite section of the whole thing. We do want to point um, out, by the way, Sarah did not get a ride on a four wheeler up to the top oh, of that one. No, no. <laughs> so, no you can actually, the funny part is, is you move faster on foot than they do in the cars. Yeah, I guess you're right. Cause they got to go so slow to get over the rocks and everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty rough roads. Um, so I tagged that. And I think at that point I was like, maybe 30 minutes up on my splits, mm-hmm. which surprised me because I didn't feel like I was going that fast. Um, so I tagged in tarot and then I came back down off that and there was, they had built a little mining road. Like last year I had to take a goat trail across the mountain and then you drop straight down. And this year there was like actually a little road that they had built that saved probably 15 minutes. Um, yeah. so I took that down and then you sort of drop down a gully. Like there are all these switchbacks that the, the Jeeps take, but yeah. you skip that and you drop right down like this gully through the middle of it. That's again, it's just all loose, just loose, crappy rock. Um, and you kind of do what you can you sort of, sort of jog, sort of fall, sort of scramble down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you hit a road for a couple of miles. That's again, the Jeep road. And that takes you down to Alpine. Um, and then from Alpine, you climb up Princeton, which is my least favorite mountain. Why is that? Um, he is, he's definitely a guy. He <laughs> has messed with me so many times. Like I, the first time I climbed it, I got up and there's this, you climb up to the, to a saddle and then you're on a ridge for like, I want to say like three miles. Yeah. I'm not really sure but it is a long ridge and there's one section where you actually it's like this wall and you it can be like class four and i i'm not a climber yeah um and i there is a way around that we eventually found but anyway the first like three times i did it i couldn't find my way around this wall so i just 
like tried to climb it and I I've made phone calls from up there like two or three times in tears because like, <laughs> I'm by myself and I'm like I don't know where to go and I don't know how to get down and I'm just stuck on this mountain and like it's not really dangerous but it's I'm a little bit afraid of heights and it definitely drops off enough that you'd get pretty badly hurt if you fell um so I call that crybaby ridge. Definitely, <laughs> <laughs> I cry on it more than once. Um, but I have I have my secret little route where you like can skirt around it, and it's maybe hard class too. Yeah, I mean it's not bad at all. But it took me it took me two years to find the way around. Um, so Princeton, I think I tagged the summit at like. I was supposed to take it at five and I want to say I was like 30 or 40 minutes ahead. Oh, wow. On that, which was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then on the way down from that, I have, I go down the Northeast Ridge and there I follow Jared Campbell's route, which is this, you like zigzag, you get on a goat trail um, and zigzag back and forth and then get on the grass and then drop down into Maxwell Gulch. And I, I've gone all different routes down that and it's all terrible. And Jared's is like the one route where the rock is good and it's safe and you're not going to get hurt. And so I start down that and I look over and there's this gully to my right and I'm like, well, water goes downhill really fast. Like <laughs> that's probably the fastest way down. Like I'm going to follow where the water goes. And so I just like abandoned my plan and I go into the gully and it's just like, all loose i mean like big i don't know like bigger than a football like big old rocks that are loose and like rolling with me and i like take half the mountain down with me (laughs) and luckily don't get hurt um because it was really it was a dumb line um but luckily it worked out and i just have some like bruises and scrapes and stuff overall not bad though i mean you you're you're moving along you're keeping ahead of pace things are are moving well you're what you'd be five peaks in at this point with nine to go yeah so that's kind of that's the big one on the first section like once you're over princeton i'm at least i've made it through the afternoon it means i haven't had to deal with storms um and then you land on the colorado trail which is like yeah like seven miles of runnable smooth it's like a sidewalk after being on the mountains <laughs> <laughs> it's a buffed um, out buffed out beautiful trail yeah it's a nice trail and it's mostly downhill so it is you can kind of roll on that um and then i'm trying to think then you come into avalanche which is sort of the camping area between princeton and yale mm-hmm. and last year i went I hiked up the road three miles. I got there sort of as it was getting dark and I was really tired. So I hiked up the road three miles and I took the trail up Yale. Um, and it was a little bit longer, but it like, I didn't have to think at all. You could just kind of sleepwalk it. Yeah. Um, and this year I got to Yale and I was like, I don't know, like an hour ahead of when I was planning to be there at that point. And I had so much daylight. I was like, Oh, I'm going to go this other route. <laughs> so I went, off trail i went up hughes gulch um which worked out it actually worked out great because i had daylight and so i navigating through the woods and stuff wasn't an issue um but i think if i gotten there after dark i probably wouldn't have gone that way yeah 
Um, and so it takes you up through this beautiful valley. And I, the past years, I've like looked into that valley and I've been like, nobody can go up there. Like, that's impossible. You have to go up this. It just goes up and then there's this like straight wall up into the ridge. Yeah. And I was like, people can't go up that wall. Like, there's no way. And so I had scouted it twice this year and you walk up to the wall and it's like this lovely little grassy path that takes you right up. I mean, it's very deceiving. So I, I always thought it was impossible and I had never dared try it before and it worked out great. I mean, you just literally climb up this little strip of grass and you're right on top of the mountain. So you tried that for the first time during this attempt? You're like, oh, well, might as well, right? No, well, I had scouted it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I scouted it once with Megan and then once with TJ. Okay. Like the week or two before. Yeah. But it was sort of, I still wasn't planning on doing it because I thought I'd get there in the dark and I didn't want to deal with it in the dark. Right. Um, that was so early that I was like, oh, well, maybe I will go that way. Um, and so I tagged Yale and then I have this little drop down that I do where I cut across the bowl and you cut across and go, I call it the airplane gully. Yeah. Um, it's this really neat section where there actually have been two airplane crashes and there's all the wreckage is still there. So there's like an engine here and a propeller over here and a seatbelt over here. And like, you're going down it and just seeing all these different pieces of the planes holy crap really cool (laughs) yeah so it was actually i don't know what the first crash was there was one crash where it was a family that hit the side of the mountain they actually all survived um it was in the middle of a snowstorm and i guess the dad and the son went to get help and the rest of the family stayed in the plane and they were killed in an avalanche but everybody that stayed with the plane was rescued wow history to it it's kind of a neat little gully yeah um so i went down that and i took i took a long route so i could go across a bridge so i didn't have to go in the river again yeah yeah um because i really wanted to keep my feet dry and then then you go up columbia and you have the option of taking the the long route and taking a trail or Mm -hmm. you can go up this really steep thing where you climb I want to say it's like 4,000 feet in two miles. Holy crap. It's, it's so steep. And there's like this big loose section. So I'm going up that. It's the middle of the night. And I'm like, oh, this shit like isn't that bad time. <laughs> time. Like this, it doesn't feel that steep. Like I'm not having trouble getting through the trees. Like this is not a big deal. And then I realized that I was not going up the right way. I was going <laughs> completely to the left and like sideways on the mountain, which is why it wasn't so steep. So I wasted... I don't know, 30 minutes going the wrong way and had to like correct that and find my way back through the trees to the, to the horrible part. I love that. You're like, man, this, I, I really psyched myself up for this. This isn't halfway bad. And then going, Oh, know, cause I'm going exactly the wrong way. I was. <laughs> I was like, man, like my legs aren't that tired. Like this really does not <laughs> feel that bad. And then I'm like, I should probably check my map. <laughs> it was like way off route. Um, so yeah, so I got up Columbia. It was, I'd say pitch black, but there was actually a full moon, so it was beautiful. I mean, you could see the silhouettes of yeah. all the mountains. It helped. It helped with navigation because you kind of could tell the general direction that you needed to go. Right. Um, and then I dropped down off Columbia. I went the long way. You can either go. There's okay. So there's Rabbit Ridge between Columbia and Harvard. Mm-hmm. 
And some people climb it like it's a class five ridge, which I cannot do. And then some people drop down and go like right next to it and you go across these like car sized boulders. Um, but it's kind of a direct route. Yeah. And I go way wide. <laughs> I add probably half a mile and I stay on the grass and do like this big loop. Yeah. Way wide. But it gives you, you can get water. There's like a little creek down there and I'm faster on the grass than I am on the rocks. Um, so you can kind of like jig jog down the mountain instead of climbing over loose rocks. And I want to point out, by the way, your FKT is unsupported. So you're carrying everything you could possibly need for this because you don't have people, you know, meeting you at certain places, re restocking you. This is you and only you. Yeah, it actually, it ended up, I was sort of intimidated to do it that way in the beginning, but it ended up being great. Um, like my food didn't weigh that much. I probably, I think we weighed it and it was like three and a half pounds and you eat it, so that goes away. Right. Yeah, yeah, it gets lighter as you go on. Was there any um, temptation out on the trail? Because when I interviewed Kyle Curtin, who just set the FKT for the Tahoe Rim Trail unsupported, nearly beat the supported record, uh, he said he found on a, on a signpost a Snickers bar and a five-hour oh. energy sitting there. No way. Yeah. <laughs> like, like someone was trying to honeypot him. Yeah, no, there was nothing out there. Um, I'm trying to think what there. Not really. I had one guy. The only thing I was offered was my my watch and my Garmin died. Yeah, um, on the second to last mountain, and there was a guy at the top, and he's like, "I have a battery pack if you want it." And I almost like was like, "Oh, do I take it?" And I'm so glad I didn't because I was I didn't even realize at the time that that would have like completely negated. That would have, yeah, that would have, yeah, that would have wrecked your record. They'd have been like, oh, yeah. hey, um, yeah, it would have been great. You could have got an FKT had you not grabbed the guy's battery pack. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really glad I didn't, didn't take that. But yeah, that's the only thing, only thing I was offered. I think the whole time. Now you need to set up little honey traps for everybody that's coming after you, trying to set a new <laughs> FKT unsupported. Like you, need, you just set up. You know how people have those, um. Those those little cameras that they set up to see what kind of wildlife is in their backyard. Those motion censored cameras. Yeah. Get a couple of those, and then a and couple. A of, yeah, bars. put Snicker bars <laughs> and a five hour energy, and just put the put the cameras out there, and then you could you could try it. That's like you didn't get the unsupported FKT. Yes, I did. No, you took my Snickers and five hour energy trap, and I've got the pictures <laughs> to prove it. <laughs> Oh man, that would just be cool. <laughs> so, I actually, I thought about putting, I was like, I was worried about my batteries dying and I was yeah. like, oh, maybe I should put like a bag out there and in case I need to switch to, what would it be, self-supported? Yeah. Be, I yeah. And I didn't end up doing it, but I was like, I was like, yeah, I can put like a Coke in there and stuff. And I'm like, if there's a Coke in there, like there's, I can't resist it. Like, there's no way I won't be able to walk past it. So I like, didn't do it for that specific reason. I was like, cause I will grab it. Like there's no way. <laughs> no, it's, so, it's so true. I don't know which came first, my love of Coca-Cola or ultra running, but I think it was afterwards, like aid stations, you know, you get late at night and you grab a Coke from an aid station. You're like, Oh my there's God, nothing better. Like oh. at the end of a long hike, that's all I want. And I don't drink soda normally. I don't either. But after a hard run, 
I want a Coke. And if I Best go out, yeah, and this is not sponsored by Coke. And and if if <laughs> if I go out for a hard run, and then you know my buddies and I will go to a restaurant afterwards, and they're like, "What would you like to drink?" And I say, "I'd like a Coke." And they go, "Is Pepsi okay?" And I'm like, "No, no, it's oh, not it's okay." Get, like Mexican food, you have to get a Coke with your chips and stuff. Yes, I don't want a Pepsi. Pepsi's for children. Coca Cola is for, <laughs> for for grown adults, but but back to your your route. Sounds like things are going really good, Sarah. When did the the the, the did we have any moments, uh, low points, or when the crap hit the fan, or, or what? Yeah. So I was like, I think two hours up on my splits. Um, I actually got to Missouri five hours ahead of when I got there last year. Wow. I was. I don't even know how I was rolling. Like I didn't feel like I was moving faster, but somehow, I don't know. It magically happened. But anyway, so then after Missouri is Huron and this was like getting towards the end of the second day and I had stayed awake all night. I hadn't slept at all. And I'm going up Huron and Oh, what does Joey call it? The guy that set the other FKT, he calls it like shit pile of gully or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just it's just this pile of rocks and they're all loose and you literally like take two steps and you just slide back down two steps. Like everything just is loose. Like you see a rock, you're like, I'm going to step on that rock and you step on it and the whole rock falls down. Like there's nothing you, nothing you can grab and like your poles don't stick and it's, there's just, you just have to like muscle your way up through right. this loose map. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm going up through the rocks and it's, it takes me like three hours to get up. So like I get up to the middle section and I'm looking at the steep part and I'm like, God, there are a lot of tents up there. Like, why are there so many tents up there? Like, what are those people doing? And they're like, oh, they must be like geologists. And they're like searching the rocks and the water and like doing all these studies and stuff. And I was like, yeah, they got a lot of gear up there. Like a lot of, shiny metal stuff and some big like plastic boxes and stuff like that yeah. and there was a guy sitting in a chair and another guy like messing with some tent poles or something i'm like well that's kind of interesting like i'll at least have somebody to say hi to yeah so i spent like an hour hiking towards these guys yeah and i get up there and i'm like there's nobody up here <laughs> like i had completely fabricated them you hallucinated guys in a tent I did. They, I mean, I've actually done that before on that same mountain. Like, I don't know if they're just weird looking rocks, but yeah. So I was sure they were there. And then I got there and I was like, oh, this isn't good. You're like, I am super excited. I bet you they're geologists. I bet you they're nice. They're up there looking at rocks. I mean, this is going to be great just to say like, hey, what's up, geologist people? And then <laughs> at what point in your vision did, did it disappear? How close did you get when you finally realized like, I just made all that up? Uh, probably a couple hundred feet from the top. Like, <laughs> I mean, I spent a good hour like ready to chat with these guys. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I got to the top and I was like, oh, this is not good. So when you get off of Huron, there's like this long road and I, I kind of walk jogged it, but I made myself eat a bunch of food and yeah. then I was like, I've got to sleep before I go up this next mountain before it gets dark or I'm going to get in trouble. So I put on like my rain pants and my down jacket and my raincoat and like everything I had and I curl up in a ball on the side of the road 
<laughs> a truck drove by in the middle of it and slowed down to make sure I was alive. <laughs> I was just like this homeless person on the side of the road. But anyway, so I I set my alarm for 45 minutes and I didn't sleep at all. I just started shivering. Um, so it was just a complete waste of time. I just lay there and like shook for 45 minutes. Um, so I just got up. I was like, well, that's not going to work. So I just started hiking again and I go up La Plata in the dark and it's, it's a funny mountain. Like there's all these false summits and like weird little trails up there. And it's really hard to find the top. And I, I found the top. All right. I tagged the summit and then I turned around to go down and I couldn't even figure out which direction to go down. Like I was so disoriented and I had like all these tracks saved on my Gaia. Yeah. And I was like, well, if I get messed up, like I just pull out my phone and I can figure out where to go. And I like, I couldn't even read the Gaia. Like I couldn't navigate using that. I couldn't figure out where I was or where I was on the map or anything. You're so exhausted at this point. It's not even making sense to you. Yeah. So I spent probably, I'd say 45 minutes up there. Just like I'd find something that looked like a trail and I'd follow it for five minutes and it would go to the edge of a cliff or I'd find another one and I'd follow it and it would just stop or like... I just couldn't find a real trail. Like there were a lot of these like little interwoven spider web, like things that kind of look like trails, but they weren't really going anywhere. Um, so I, yeah, I wasted a lot of time in like, I knew, I knew I was kind of out of it and that I needed, I really needed to get some sleep. So I finally, I finally found the real trail down. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> were the, were the geologists there, Sarah? Did you just find the real trail because okay, those were so the there, geologists? There was another tent at like thirteen five or thirteen seven, and I think it was a real tent. But I don't know who the heck would <laughs> camp up in the rocks. <laughs> I am alone. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it was real, but I'm like, I don't know who would do that. Like that was way too high up. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I figured out that if I had, like, it was really cold that night. Yeah. But if I had my down jacket and my hoodie and my raincoat and my rain pants and everything, and if I hiked really, really hard, I'd get pretty warm. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd start sweating. And then I, I didn't even take my pack off. Like, I literally would throw myself on the ground <laughs> and I'd close my eyes and I'd sleep for like five minutes maybe seven minutes and then I'd start shivering. So I w didn't even need to set an alarm. Like I'd just wake myself up, but I was able to get a couple like short naps like that. Yeah. Um, and they helped a lot. So, but the problem was, okay, so my Garmin was dying. And the last time I did that, I threw myself down next to a Creek. <laughs> and so, and then my Garmin died. And so everybody that was watching just saw my tracker stop in a Creek for like 10 minutes and then go off oh they're like sarah sarah's dead she oh, fell into a creek i know um by the so way luckily, sarah just so you know this this interview is probably not going to get you on the garmin elite team probably not <laughs> if you had hopes if you had hopes of making that happen i would say that if if uh, Dan Garman, the CEO of Garmin Watches, listens to this interview, he's going to go, ah, get Hansel off that list of women we were going to have on our team. Probably the Gaia team, too, because I <laughs> completely failed at following it. But geologists are going to love you. That's <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so um, you have what, what, like four peaks left at this point when your battery, when your watch goes dead? Uh, La Plata was number twelve. Okay, so you have. So I was coming down La Plata when it died, so I just had two more. Okay, and how the last two go? Uh, great, like I. I had a bunch of instant coffee, so I got my little, I probably got a total of maybe 20 minutes of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like pounded some Starbucks instant coffee, which helped. And then the sun came up, which always helps too. Um, so I did pretty well going up Elbert. Um, when I was, I tagged Elbert in the morning and then I was coming down. I sort of backtrack from the summit and I go down a little gully. Yeah. But I've practiced like, I've probably done it five or six times and I know it really, really well. And so I'm going down the first part's lovely. It's this loose dirt that you kind of ski down and then you get to like these rocks that are really loose. Yeah. It's really steep and a little bit annoying, but not dangerous. And I (laughs) got to that part and I'm like, I don't really like this part. And I knew the guy that had set the FKT like the week before had gone, he'd gone straight off the summit, like farther to the right. Yeah. And obviously had been crazy fast. And I know he'd scouted the route like obsessively and knew all the best routes. So I'm like, I'm going to cut across and I'm going to go where Joey went. Yeah. <laughs> so, which would have been great if I had like just initially gone where Joey went, but you don't <laughs> cut across a mountain halfway down <laughs> and try to go on a different route. So I'm in these like rocks that are like, like football size and like they are banging my ankles but they're not gonna like kill me right and i cut across this gully and i get like halfway across and i realize i'm like these are car-sized rocks and they're all loose and like if i move one of them i'm gonna get hurt right yeah I had one mountain left to go. I'm like, I have made it halfway down Elbert and this is how I'm going to (laughs) die. This is the dumbest thing I'd ever done, but I somehow made it across. I didn't dislodge a huge rock and kill myself and I got down. Okay. Um, But it was, I just, I did a lot of stupid things like that, that I, I think it was just the sleep deprivation um, where I just made some really bad decisions. Is the final of 14, is it massive? Yeah, not massive. Okay, so they're right, like Elbert and massive. You can see one from the other. They're right next to each other. Did you know coming down Elbert, your Garmin's dead at this point, but you're, st- you're still using a spot tracker, right? Because you have to be able to prove where you went, right? Um, so the Garmin was a Garmin Mini. Um, so that was my tracker. That died. Okay. And then had a watch that also died... I think at the bottom of Elbert. And then I, all I had left was my phone and I was tracking on Strava. Oh, um, wow, man. You're like, so that, yeah, I was cutting it close. If that had died, I would have, I'm not sure how I would have proven it. Like I took pictures at the top of every summit, um, just to show I was there. But like, if it had died and I hadn't been able to take a picture on massive and had no track, I'm not sure what I would have done. Well, you probably would have started a new campaign. You would have changed your uh, your Instagram name to F Garmin, and you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's my fault. I brought I brought two two chargers that had like four total charges. Yeah, um, and it just wasn't enough. I should have I should have carried one more. Yeah. 
one of these days we're going to get something that lasts long enough. I'm just saying, like, like battery technology is moving in that direction, Sarah, where someday some runner, like, this will be years from now, will listen to a tale and go, there was a time when people had to carry chargers with them to do long things because yeah. <laughs> their batteries wouldn't last. So... You they get, need to make one that charges off your energy, like as you're running. Well, they got the sun one now, Sarah. Have you seen the? They got like the Garmin um, Phoenix Solar, which has like a solar oh. panel in the face. But I don't. It doesn't seem like it. Like the the solar brings enough charge that it like makes it this infinite machine. It gives you like two or three percent. Um, you know, every couple hours in a a long bit of sunlight. But they're getting there, Sarah. But you were able to make it work because you had your phone. Thank God you had your phone and you make your way up massive. Yeah, I'm just grateful it lasted. I I would have been really upset if I'd gone that far and then it died on the last mountain. (laughs) Can you you imagine? You're pulling it out to take the picture and it just goes, boom. You'd be like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so massive so i had three little ipod shuffles and they all died as i was going up massive so i had no music left um but it was kind of cool it there's not a ton of wildlife out in those mountains Mm -hmm. so when i went up massive i had there's this white marmot that i've seen a bunch of times he looks like a little polar bear yeah um and he came out and I saw I saw him in scouting, so he's real. <laughs> but he's like my little buddy. He came out and like said hi to me and watched me go up the mountain. And then I had this goat that came up to me probably four or five times. It was kind of like following my progress up the mountain. So it was kind of cool. I felt like I had a little cheering squad of all the animals. Um, <laughs> Did the geologist meet you at the top? That's the question. No, there were humans at the top, though. There weren't. I mean, there were not a lot of people that I saw because you kind of go to the peaks at odd hours. Right. There were probably 10 people at the summit of Massive and they had a big American flag. And like I stopped and talked to one guy. He'd been running the Colorado Trail. And I don't know. There's some pretty cool people out there. That's He's the one that often tried to. Yeah. Try to honey pot me or whatever you call it <laughs> that was kyle's term i borrowed that from him but but you get up to massive and you know you've got it at this point you, you you've done it well i thought i had it okay so i get up there and i was so tired like i got up there fine but there's a couple of like little false summits yeah i'm not super clear which one's the actual one Right, And so I went and I tagged the one that had all the people on it and the flag. Yeah. And I start down and I'm like, I don't recognize anything. And I'm like, maybe I went up to the wrong one and I'm coming down like completely the wrong section. And I started to freak out and I started to hike back up because I was like, I need to make sure I tag the right summit. Like, that'd be so stupid if I didn't. Um, and it turned out I had. Yeah. But I like, I had a good 10 minutes where I was like, I don't even know where I am. And I like couldn't figure out how same thing how to get off the mountain and i'd done it i'd done it like three days before i'd gone out and practiced it and i just couldn't get my brain to work um but i eventually made it down (laughs) (laughs) it was was a little bit surreal because i was like going down i'm like i i think this is the way but i honestly can't remember um so luckily i luckily i found my way down to the trail so you get down to the trail. Where, where can you officially end your Nolan's 14? Um, it ends at the sign at the fish hatchery. 
So I get down to the trail and it's supposed to be like three miles of pretty runnable trail all the way down. And so I'm going, going, going. I'm like, there's no way this is three miles. Like this feels like 20 miles. (laughs) And I get down and I get to the last little turn off and there's a sign for the fish hatchery. And I literally have like a 10th of a mile to go. And I look up at the sign and I get this huge smile on my face. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to bomb in there. And I catch a rock because <laughs> I wasn't looking at the ground. And I, I mean, like, I fell hard, like, <laughs> on my face, like, slid down the trail, scraped up my knees, scraped up the whole front of me. And I get up, and I'm like, oh, I cannot believe this just happened. And I try to walk, and I like, can't put weight on one of my legs. And I'm just, I mean, it was pitiful. Like my knee hurts so much. And I'm like, I cannot hobble in. Like I'm so close. I have to run in. So I start running again and I run like three steps and I catch another rock and I fell again. <laughs> I mean, I like, I can see the finish and like, nobody knows I'm coming because I'm still in the trees, but like I can see the buildings from up there. And I'm like, I have to go around one more corner. And I, Oh, it was so pathetic. So I kind of, I sort of ran in, but it wasn't, it wasn't the finish I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a, a pathetic cobble and I come in just like covered in dirt and blood. But I guess it was dramatic. I looked pretty badass. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, that's the way to come in. If you came in looking like a daisy, they'd be like, I don't know if this really happened yeah. or not, but you, you come in all um, covered in blood. You know, especially, especially fresh blood. I mean, it was like rip it off. Of me. <laughs> that's a that's one badass finish, Sarah. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, but it was awesome. Like I got there, and Megan Hicks was there, and Ilana, and Hannah Green, and TJ, and Jake. I mean, there was a big crew, and they had champagne, and like I had no idea that was all going to happen. I thought it would just. I'd just come kind of hobbling in and a couple friends would be there, but they really went out of their way to make it special for me, which is awesome. That's really incredible, Sarah. What an adventure. What a story. I mean, just the fact that you tried it other times and you learned so much and, and I really do, Sarah, I think you need to kind of have a little more respect for your own skills. I think you need to be a bigger fan of yourself. (laughs) I don't know. It's been a steep learning curve, but I, I do agree. I think there's, there's a little talent in there that I need to figure out what to do with. Yeah. I do. I do think I do pretty well considering my circumstances. Yeah. We won't have to do another, we won't end the podcast with another daily affirmation, (laughs) but I would say, I think Sarah, I do think you're good enough. You're smart enough. You're strong enough. And gosh darn it. I do think people like you. Well, thank you. <laughs> we are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 